Our first scripture reading this morning is from the 10th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews, found on page 210 in the New Testament of your Pew Bible. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, See, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. May God bless the reading and hearing of this word.
the Gospel according to Luke, the conclusion of the first chapter. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by her Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations shall call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Quiet your hearts in prayer with me. In the stillness of this time together, O Lord, may we hear the ringing of peace, a peace that passes understanding it is not contingent on that which is around us, but rest firmly in the gospel of your Son, your Word made flesh, whose birth we celebrate in this season. Amen. It was several years ago that our daughter was dating a gentleman of uh, substantial means, shall we say. He was also a little flashy. So her sisters made fun of it by saying that she was dating a baller. I had no idea what a baller was. I remember it because of the beginning of my recognition that I was becoming progressively and inevitably out of touch. I'd promised myself I would never become that guy, but evidently that guy comes with age no matter what you do, so I didn't know what a baller was. Now, I decided then I would look it up. The problem with urban slang dictionaries is they're, le they're, they're lagging indicators. The word's out there, and by the time it ends up in the Urban Dictionary, it's already passe. So all I ended up with was the Merriam-Webster Dictionary definition. So evidently, she, um, she was dating somebody who formed cannonballs or buckshot out of lead. <laughs> like it or not, she was dating a baller. We never met him. It never got that serious. It's unclear to me how serious it has to get before we actually meet a boyfriend, but that's a concern for another time. The demise of the relationship, we learned again from the sisters, well after the fact, was actually a story that makes a parent proud. 
They'd been out with some friends, and evidently he had said some extremely inappropriate things in their gathering, and so the next day she kind of called him on it and asked, you know, if he could watch his choice of language and his attitude. He suggested that she just take one of his credit cards and do a little shopping so she could feel better. That was the end of that. I thought about making a bad joke. I was going to say, well, that's the way the baller bounces. <laughs> but I realized that made me sound even older, and so at the time I just kept my fool dad joke to myself. The point being, what he perceived as corrective generosity, she experienced as complete dismissal. The point of the author of the Hebrews is trying to make today, in the 10th chapter, is regarding God's desire for a relationship with us. God wants our ears, our hearts, our whole selves, and we deflect God's desired intimacy by suggesting that God just maybe go do a little shopping on our account and that'll somehow make God feel better and we might end up at the end of the evening feeling closer. Verse 5 of the passage that Shannon just read, the lecturer takes from Psalm chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, and poses that psalm as a conversation between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus is saying to the Father, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but you have prepared for me a body. The depth of God's investment in us. We bring God offerings. Christ brings God's whole self. The passage ends, and it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. We have been sanctified by God's offering of God's own self. We our selfish, aging, dusty selves. We have been set apart. We have been made special, sanctified. We are holy through what God has given for us because of God's full, absolute self-commitment to us through Jesus Christ. The problem with retail therapy as it can be called, is that it never genuinely fully satisfies, does it? You get home, you're done shopping, and guess what? There are tomorrow more things you still have not bought. And so you need to go out and, and dive into the acquisition all over again. We're disconnected from tomorrow in the things that we are trying to grab onto today. We'll need the credit card again to fill that empty void which we wake up experiencing because we're still looking for a transactional fulfillment. Possessing things never brings true intimacy. God tells us that our willingness to share things as, an ex as a replacement for actually connection, it's, it's transactional. God's Spirit convicts us of our failings. We all have made inappropriate comments at parties or gatherings or to our friends. 
we have all expressed to one degree or another hostilities to other that are unwarranted and unfair. We desire then to say, okay, God, we're sorry. How can we fix this? Can we just decide that we can give something and thereby feel better that we're a little closer, as if we can shop our way into intimacy with the divine? No. The point of God's convicting spirit is not to make us squirm. (laughs) When God says that your unrighteousness is insufficient, God is not saying that to make you feel bad. God also isn't saying that to suggest that you need to work harder or give something bigger to take care of the account. God's knowledge of who we are, even in the middle of all of our failures and our faults and our limitations, God is merely saying, I know you for who you are. And that is who I love. That's why today in the sequence of candles leading up to the birth of Christ, we light today's candle, the candle of peace. The candle of peace. We started with hope, joy, hope, love, joy, love, joy. I should remember that. That's the minister in The Simpsons. Hope, love, joy, peace. That's a sequence. Hope, love, joy, peace. A sequence is the same sequence as an intimate relationship. Okay? Somebody you're dating, somebody you want to be involved with. It begins with hope, right? I hope I get that text. I hope they call back. I hope they noticed I wore something nice today. I hope they thought it was funny. I hope that we are going to have a connection. And then love, wow, (laughs) it did work out. It's great. We are connected. Isn't that wonderful? It looks like love. I'm in love. And what does that bring? That, of course, brings the next one, joy. Love brings joy. Joy. And that's the point. Humanly speaking, then suddenly things become a little anxious. Right? You hoped you'd get along. You find out you love each other. There is great joy over that love, and that is, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to keep this up, aren't I? It's an old W.C. Fields line. It is, never try to impress a woman. Because if you succeed, you're going to have to keep that up the rest of your life. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, the hope, the love, and the joy bring on a little bit of anxiety. Years into the relationship, things can get pretty dicey, especially after years together when you begin to really know each other. And I mean really know each other. It was an old New Yorker cartoon where it's a couple, they're out for dinner in a very nice restaurant, and the woman is speaking to the guy, and she says, Harry, when I first met you, I thought your eyes were a little too close together. But after I got to know you, I didn't even notice. It didn't bother me. I guess, I guess what I'm saying, Harry, is your eyes are too close together again. <laughs> With today's candle we announce something profoundly beautiful about our relationship with God. There's nothing in your past. There is nothing in you right now. And there is nothing in your future 
that will shift your hope or inhibit God's love or deepen the joy that God has in loving you. And that brings peace. That just brings peace. Which brings us to today's lesson from the Gospel of Luke. Saw a meme this past week about today's Gospel lesson. It said, whatever else you want to say about women in the Bible, don't forget that the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke ends with two pregnant women laughing and singing poems dedicated to the overthrow of a human empire. Think about it. Two impoverished pregnant women sitting in a living room, speaking poetry, laughing in song about the overthrow of a human empire. That's an Advent conspiracy. Mary says, God's mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the powerful from their thrones, and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Every human relationship is contingent and transactional. Every human relationship. That means it depends upon your behavior to maintain it. It is possible in every human relationship to become enough of a jerk that other people in our lives will not want to be around us. Trust me. I know. Because I've been there. I've been enough of a jerk that people who genuinely love me and wanted to have a relationship with me kind of throw their hands up and say, there's only so much of this Krogue thing I can take. Human relationships can be rescinded. We can look at one another and say, wow, your eyes are really way too close together again, right? Mere human joy can fade, love can whine, hope can be dashed. But that's not the case with God, because what maintains our relationship with God is not our performance. Because in a relationship with God, God's eyes are wide open even before it begins. God knows us exactly as we are, knows of what we are made, remembers that we are dust, but God happens to love that dust. God's eyes are open to all that we are. God loves us still, and so we can live in peace. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, peace I give unto you. My peace do I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. To have peace, to have God's peace is to be unafraid. Why? Because God loves us with an unwavering, irrevocable love. It's a perfect love. And as Jesus said, perfect love casts out fear. We are loved so perfectly we do not need be afraid. I don't know how anxious your Christmas 
preparations are going, given your response to Shannon's confession about you promised yourself back with the Advent conspiracy video that you'd get it right this year. And a lot of people nervously chuckled. It indicates that we're maybe in the same boat and exactly what Shannon confessed was exactly what we needed to hear. Are we gathering? Are we not gathering? Are we distancing? Are there going to be gifts? Who, what part of the family is going to be there? It involves family, folks. That's a reason for anxiety all by itself. Food, decorations, expectations. The stakes seem so incredibly high. But know this. This you should know. God is not depending upon you to make it a good Christmas. God is not depending upon you to make for a good Christmas. Guess what? God's Christmas has already come. It is already here. The work is already finished. As our passage in Hebrews continues after those verses that were read as part of the lesson today, the author writes, Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of our faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. We already have the Christmas we need. We've already got that. The hope has already been fulfilled. The love has already been shared. God's joy is already full. And so we, we can rest in heavenly peace. Rest in heavenly peace. Amen. Amen. Please stand. Let us speak the words of our ancient creed as our affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Amen.